Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to episode 59 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? To kick things off this week, we need to thank our gorgeous Patreon subscribers. Thank you. We would like to thank Susan the Librarian. Michelle. Michaela Fiore. Natal- Natalie Burke. I don't know why I read that as Natalia, sorry. <laughs> Tyler H. Abby. Melanie McGill. Lisa Rhodes. Lolo Benitez. Emma Calhoun. Nikita Robinson. J- Jorge Buckner. I would have read that as George. You would have mispronounced his name. Oh, I'm very sorry. <laughs> oh, God. Good maybe, that you read that one maybe, instead. Maybe it is George, I don't know. Stephanie Walker. Uh, Ryan. Phoebe. Mikey Pantoa. Yeah. Mikey Pantoa. Emma Flood. Riley Ann Doherty. Isa Mohammed. And Dawn Quick. Thank you so much for being our gorgeous Thank new you. Patreon subscribers. We love you for it and we appreciate you. And we're really sorry that every week we somehow manage to butcher people's names. Yeah. I don't know how we do it. I get that it's become a running joke in the podcast world. And I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I don't know why. Sometimes I just, just misread names. And then sometimes I pronounce them how I think I should pronounce them. And that could be wrong. I apologise. Are you ready for our film review this week? Yeah. Our film review this week is Slenderman. Slenderman was released in 2018. It has 3.2 out of 10 on IMDb and 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. Hmm. Would you like a synopsis? Yes. Fascinated by the internet lore of Slenderman, four friends attempt to summon him. However, things get out of hand when one of them mysteriously goes missing. What were your thoughts on this film? Um, it really confused my understanding of Slenderman lore, which is obviously lore because it was made up by someone on Reddit. Yeah, it was made up. There was a guy on Reddit who did like a photography competition yeah, or like a Photoshop competition, yeah. I think. And it was like to make the cre- creepiest pseudo real life Photoshops. And that was where Slenderman was born. Really stunning. Yeah, really good idea. And like, a really amazing. good idea for lore as well. Like the yeah. story's fine. I learned a few things from this movie. Did you? Yep. That Slen- surprises me. Yep. Slenderman is a tree. Yes. I'm surprised you didn't know that already. <laughs> he uh, is able... He has a mobile phone. Yes, yeah. and is able to make video calls. Which Who I... Knew? So that film was made by Sony. <laughs> and the first time we find out Slenderman has a um, has a, a mobile phone involves a good 90% of that particular scene being framed by a Sony Ericsson or a Sony phone. You know, I did not make that connection. Which I think is like, okay, that's fine. That's why that's why Slenderman has a phone, because... Because he's sponsored by Sony. Because he's sponsored by <laughs> Sony. <laughs> um, and also, uh, one of the characters really likes books, to the point where she strokes an entire row 
of books in the library for no reason. Yeah, there's a, it's a very pointed look. I'm sensually in the library moment. Yeah. Very strange. I think it had potential to be really good. However... It was awful. It was terrible. <laughs> it was, I think, one of the worst films we've seen in a very long time. I see it entertain me, though. That's the thing. Like, I don't I, really I know what I didn't get cross with it. Uh, well, basically, what happens is... They summon Slenderman. Yeah, I saw that bit. By watching a video on YouTube. Yeah, don't know which how Which is that really happened. common for de- demonic things. Sort of very, very ring-esque, you know, the whole seven days, watch the video, yeah. don't watch the video. Yeah, and it definitely, they definitely didn't do what the instructions said for summon, because it says, when the first bell rings, stay quiet, and one of the girls talks. Mm. So therefore, it shouldn't have worked in the first place. But anyway, they summon Slenderman. I love the way that's what you have a problem with in this film. It's anyway, <laughs> one of the many things I have problems with. Uh, then they go on a school trip to a graveyard, as you do, and uh, one of their friends goes missing because Slenderman takes her, and then the other three girls start to worry about her friend. Well, two of them worry, and one of them's not that bothered because she's got a track meet and a date with a boy. And then various different things happen to the other friends until it's a final encounter between Slenderman and the girl that wasn't that bothered, and the only reason it's the final encounter is because Slenderman has, has possessed her sister. A little sister, and she's a bit worried about that. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah. So then, can I? I would like to clarify that um, this is not this storyline is not very clear. So I'm glad that Dan is here to verify what actually happened because this narrative is so mixed up and jumbled up and mental that I don't really, I don't really understand how. I it... mean, they gave everything that you needed to do, like that you needed to know in the story. So they said that. When you summon Slenderman, he does one of like three things. He either takes you away completely, he either haunts you, or he makes you go mad. And that those three things happen to the first three girls. Although the difference between haunting and making you go mad wasn't very clear. They kind of did everything. They told you all the things that you needed to know for the story. It just didn't go into any detail whatsoever. They could have done so much more of it. They really could have done so much more of it. And then Slenderman was just a bit odd. Like I don't really have that much to say about it. it like it turned awful. into a massive spider, which I think is part of the artwork. Like I do think part of the original artwork is tentacles, yeah. But essentially, it ends with him being a tree. So I think that the movie is telling us that the man is a tree. It's or, quite, actually quite a deep philosophical um, discussion. Or that the ends from Lord of the Rings are Slenderman. Yeah, potentially. You know? Potentially. That's, that's where we're going from. Yeah. So what would you give this film out of five? One. Me too. I would also give it a oh, one. I thought you were just going to zero it. No, I'm not going to zero it because I was, you know, there were, were elements of it in the beginning where I was like, okay, this this has potential. Then it doesn't. Yeah, so, they did They did some good little things like in the background, there was, you could see him every now and then. Yeah, which was clever. And they did creeping shadows. And where where she's making out with a boy and then the boy suddenly, she suddenly has an episode where Slenderman is the boy. Only he's not the boy. This is the bit, this is the confusion. That bit was quite well done because his face was quite freaky. Um, but overall, yeah, it was a bit confusing. It was shite. And it was loads of darkness as well. Like, I hate films. Like, you can't watch dark films at home. No, you can't. That is your problem with Harry Potter. Yes. Is that it's too... Some of them are too dark to watch at home. And yeah. actually, in this, this film, I agreed. It was too, like, physically too dark to watch yeah. because we missed loads of bits because we and just you couldn't can, see you them. can film nighttime scenes and still not have a pitch black like you know what I mean like everybody knows what a nighttime scene looks like yeah there are, there are we've got the technology to be able to brighten darkness if that makes sense yeah just do it are you ready for some stories this week yeah when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at bluenile.com you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's get some stories going. Okay, our first story comes from DeMarcus. Are you ready? Yes. Oh, I'm ready. I normally say no, don't I? I know you do. I don't know. Who are you? I'm trying to stop myself from getting angry about that film. Okay. So. Okay, don't get angry. <laughs> no, no. The people listening to the podcast don't need to be at the receiving end of your wrath about that film. Sorry. I usually never write into podcasts unless I'm moved to for very strong reasons. This will be my first time. I couldn't stress this enough. I'm sure some people have seen things that may have been mistaken for other more explainable things. I'm sure some people may purely submit or tell stories that are false, but are still entertaining. And I'm sure we all enjoy them. But I know there are those of us that submit or share 100% true stories that change our lives and alter the way we see the world. Bear with me for a little as I set the scene for what happened to me. I used to be in the Air Force, stationed in Colorado Springs, Colorado from 2001 to 2011. I was stationed at Cheyenne Mountain Air Force Station, a base that was always surrounded in mystery and lure mainly because it was a restricted area with one road up and one road down and totally constructed inside the side of a mountain. I was the night shift superior of over 13 military police officers. On this night I was riding alone, which was usual, and sitting on the side of the road overlooking the city on the helipad, which is, if you can imagine, a hill with the top cut off so that a helicopter can land. Now normally we each carry two firearms with us, a semi-automatic rifle and a handgun, so we are usually pretty well armed. And the only thing we mostly worry about is the wildlife that inhabits the area, i.e. bears, mountain lions, rattlesnakes, but tonight was different. As I was listening to the radio I suddenly had the need to relieve myself. Instead of driving the distance back to the office I decided to just get out of my vehicle and do so. Now we've all done this before, nothing was unusual, nothing was out of place. Before I could even begin I suddenly had this creeping feeling to look behind me. And as I did, my eyes fixed on something white, almost translucent, crawling up the side of the hill. It was too white to be a mountain lion, or even a rare albino one. It wasn't a bear, it was too skinny to be a bear. It wasn't a deer. One wouldn't be that comfortable walking up on a human. Nothing else in the area came close to what I saw. Imagine laying on the ground on your stomach, lifting your upper body with your arms and pulling yourself along like that, using your arms like legs with your head facing down. That's what I saw. Oh God. Because of the angle of the hill, I couldn't see legs past the chest and it was silent. It was totally silent. It seemed almost to glow against the night sky behind it, but I instinctively knew it wasn't. Its arms were long and bent at the elbow, which was well above its head. Not because it was close to the ground, but because its arms appeared to be that long. 
I had this primal feeling of fear and helplessness. Keep in mind the entire sighting happened within, I would say, 10 seconds or less. For a slight second, I thought about shooting at it, but something told me not to. I moved as fast as I could, jumped back in my vehicle and drove up the road, pants still unzipped, and all to a higher spot. Now, I would like to say I did this to get a better view of the area, or some other more reasonable reason, but it was pure fear and confusion. I've been deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan, driven in countless convoys, arrested terrorists and worked in prisons. And all of that was nothing compared to the fear I felt that night. When I stopped at the other spot just higher up the road above where I was, I sat there and tried to comprehend what had just happened. I radioed dispatch and asked if we had any patrols in the area which we didn't. I also asked all of my patrols to radio to me their exact locations. No one was anywhere near the helipad. Now at this point in my career I've known these other patrol members, partied with them and deployed with them. I know none of them would try something so daring and dangerous just for a cheap laugh. And it wouldn't even be possible unless they could distort their bodies in such a way. A few minutes after the patrols called in their position, one met up with me and wanted to know why I was so intent on knowing everyone's locations. At no point did I let them know what had happened. Hell, I was still trying to process it myself. Without being prompted, one of the patrol members asked me if I'd been down to the helipad recently. I told them yes, and nothing more. The patrol officer said him and his partner were down there earlier in the night and saw something white in their rearview mirror run behind their vehicle. They obviously did exactly what I was doing, keeping quiet and trying to process what they saw. Now, just being the nature of the job, we're pretty good at telling if someone's lying. I wholeheartedly felt they weren't, so I told them my story. Neither of my patrols went back to that helipad that night or for a few nights after. I never knew what to call this thing. I never knew that other people had similar interactions with things like this. But the closest thing can match to this, I guess, is what is being called crawlers or the rake. I understand the rake was totally fake, but that's the closest thing I can relate to. I told my higher leadership about the incident with the understanding that if they took me seriously, I probably would be looked at unfavourably and lose whatever supervising abilities I had over others. But I don't think they took me seriously. Whatever it is, it's out there. And it scared the hell out of me. I often wonder what would have happened if I didn't turn around. Hmm. What the fuck? It's that unnatural movement again as well, isn't it? It's, I can't handle these crawler, the rake stories. Do you know what it reminds me of? What? Um, that You know that scene in Breaking Bad, like early on, where the two hitmen are coming from the cartel, the two brothers that are really silent and they don't say anything? No, I don't remember. Oh, there's a scene right at the beginning where they're going to like a shrine of this thing for vengeance and they have to, everybody that wants to pray at the shrine has to crawl, like has to commando crawl from wherever they arrive to the shrine. And so you just see all these people like crawling on their knees doing that. And it just felt, oh, made me feel like that. Creepy. Creepy. <laughs> what do you think it is? It's not Freddy. But we've, there's so many stories. Like, obviously we know the rake isn't real, right? We know that the rake is a, an internet. It's a fabricated thing that was fabricated on Reddit a couple of years ago. But what I think is happening is that people are using... We've talked it into existence. People are using the rake in order to describe something that they have actually seen. Yeah, that would make sense. What do you think it is? Do you think it's an alien? 
Do you think it's a creature that we haven't discovered yet? Do you think it's something supernatural? Do you think it's a cryptid? <laughs> I don't know what to say. Like, I don't know what it is. It really weirds, weirds me out when I'm even trying to like comprehend what it is. Like loads of people, you're you're right. Like loads of people have said it. None of them are the rake because the rake is made up. But there's loads of people that have seen this thing. There is that video as well of the motorway in Essex, where those two yeah. things run across the motorway. I'll try and find the video on. I mean, that could just be that could just be some people from Essex. To be fair, how dare you? <laughs> I'm from Essex. I'm allowed to say it. Okay, <laughs> I'll take it back then. It's obviously true. Yeah, I just don't know. Like, it properly weirds me out to think about it. I'm not actually scared of those things, but when you try and put it, when you try and put it into context, it's really freaky to think about because what is it? I think that people who are army trained or military trained are generally more rational, as in they're designed to respond in a certain way to situations that have the potential to be really frightening or really dangerous or whatever. They're trained to be like rational logical thinkers because they can't afford not to be yeah they can't afford job, to yeah, be freaking absolutely. out like in the face of great danger or when they have to save a comrade or whatever it is so you'd think that in this situation that rational training would kick in and that your brain that uh, that military person's brain would go okay how am i what is this how am i going to logically explain it and i can understand that he was like this wasn't one of my friends pranking me or whatever because you could get shot yeah like if if that was your idea of a yeah plan, and you know you could get shot and die and your friends know you're fully armed to the hill yeah but like there's no it's just that no, you have there's pranks and then there's stupidity and mm. i don't think that happens because like you said they're well-trained individuals on the whole aren't they so they, they know what like they know what they're doing it's so the fact that he responded in such a frightened way where he, and was he admitted like, what it the as well fuck is this <laughs> i just drove away i wasn't scouting the area i was <laughs> just getting out of there <laughs> but i would too i would i i, I don't know if i would though because i don't know if i'd just be like just frozen in panic, just staring. <laughs> With my wiener out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Imagine you go back to base and you're like, everybody, <laughs> let me tell you what I saw. And they're like, yeah, yeah, your penis is, your, your penis is out. <laughs> kind of gives you an air of lack of, you know, a lack of credibility if you're trying to but, tell a serious story with your penis out. <laughs> on the positive side, if I was to actually physically piss myself, at least my penis would already be out of my trousers. So therefore... I'm less likely to... To make a mess. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. <laughs> I like that this is the road we've gone down. <laughs> I... <laughs> I'd be so scared. I would be so frightened. I would be so... I would prefer to see a ghost. Give me a poltergeist haunting. Give me a ghost any fucking day. I do not want to see one of those things. I don't. I wouldn't. I'm okay. I'm, I don't really want to trade off if anybody's listening <laughs> If anybody's out there getting their trade-off ready. <laughs> Are you ready for another story? Um, Less so. Now, to be fair. Oh, bless. <laughs> Only because I'm... See, those things don't normally bother me. Like, the cryptic stuff is like, okay, cool. Like, it's freaky. And, like, it is scary in the moment. But it doesn't normally bother me. But then you asked me to try and tell you what it was. And then as I started to think about it, I was like, I don't know what it is. And, that, and the way he ends it where he was like, what would have happened if I didn't turn around? This thing was crawling up the hill silently towards him. Almost like it was hunting him. Or well, maybe it had been hunted and it was actually getting away from whatever like, pursued it. That's why it's sounds, crawling. Sounds more like it was hunting him. Maybe. So I, don't, these... I just did a look and you can't see that. Yeah, nobody, <laughs> nobody can see you on the podcast. <laughs> I don't know how many times we need to tell you that. Okay, story number two. You ready? Okay. I have the heebie-jeebies now. I don't know if I'm able to continue. Heebie-jeebies. Okay. Story number two is Marie's story. Before I get started, I've always had experiences of the paranormal being an intuitive. 
As an intuitive, waking up in the middle of the night with someone standing by my bed is something that happens often, and I absolutely hate it. I used to cry a lot as a kid, but now it's just something that happens. Me, my ex-husband, and our four children, Madison, Autumn, Waylon, and my baby Grayson, three, and one little black pug named Pug, moved into a condo in Tremonton. This condo was only a few years old, and as far as I know, only had one previous owner. I'm not sure how long she lived in the home, but she left shortly after moving in and rented it to friends. The people living there decided to move, so I jumped at the chance to live there. It was close to the schools and parks, and the kids would be able to play with all the children living nearby. The condo was a two-car garage, large kitchen, dining room and a sitting room, and half a bath on the main floor. Upstairs was a large family room, a master bath, bedroom, laundry room, and down the hall was two bedrooms and the kids' bathroom. After about a month, Waylon and I were home alone. I was down in the kitchen cleaning, and Waylon was upstairs watching TV when he came down to the kitchen nervously, walking around and asking if he could stay down and hang out with me. I said, sure. He said, Mom, I was watching TV and someone told me to do a bad thing in my ear. He was terrified. Me being the mother bear that I am, told him to stay downstairs and I'd be right back. I went upstairs and started yelling, don't you tell my son to be bad, get your ass out of my house. Feeling that would be enough for some stray spirit to get the hint that it wasn't tolerated in my house. That was the beginning of the many paranormal experiences yet to be had. Shortly after, I noticed that our little dog Pug absolutely refused to step foot on the downstairs hardwood floor. If you took him down and set him on the floor, he would take off screaming until he reached the safety of the stairs. He would often, out of the blue, take off running, screaming like someone had kicked him. My kids started sleeping in one room with the door closed. I told Madison to keep the door to the room open so the room would stay warm. She told me she wouldn't keep it open. She said, Mom, I don't know if I was dreaming or not, but one night I woke up to a woman standing in the doorway. The woman turned and looked at her and looked back and kept walking down the hall. She described a woman in a long blue dress that had a high collar and long sleeves and lace coming out of the bottom of the sleeves. She had her brown hair up in a small hat sitting in the middle of her head. Madison said, Mom, the, the dress made noise as she walked. I drew a picture of the woman that she had seen and took it to the Little Town Museum to see if I could get any information about the date of the woman. The dress dated back to the 1890s. I asked the woman in the museum if the dress made a lot of noise when the women moved in them. She told me that the dress was made out of taffeta back then and they did make noise when the women moved. In this townhouse, everything from disembodied voices to flashing lights in dark rooms, lights turning on in the middle of the night with no one there was all happening around us. I can't tell you how many light bulbs I replaced. Our electricity bill was outrageous. I could see people walking by or watching me as I would brush my hair in the bathroom and ducking behind my bed. Ooh. I did notice one little spirit that I saw often. One day I was sitting on the couch crocheting when out of the corner of my eye I saw a small white creature come around the couch and look up at me and then back away behind the couch. It was a cat. A little spirit cat was in my house. When I went to look, nothing was there. Another time, he ran out in front of me and the kids and hit the PlayStation cord and ran back in the direction that it came from. I was sitting there and I asked Madison, did you see that? She said, yes. 
I asked her what she'd seen and she said she had seen a little white creature. One morning after my husband left for work, I felt something jump on my bed, slowly walk over to where I was and lay down in the bend of my knees. Wide awake, I took my hand and moved it across from where I felt the movement. Nothing was there. My baby Grayson was a hyper little baby and I would often stay up with him at night. He would stand at the top of the stairs and say, What are you doing down there? To an empty, dark kitchen. As time went on, it was normal to hear disembodied voices calling my name or a group of people talking quietly in the room. One morning I woke up to someone tapping on the top of my head. I just said, Come back later. I was tired and didn't want to be bothered. I woke up one morning to my son in my bed. He said, Mom, I think I saw a ghost sitting in the corner of the room when I came in to get into your bed. I asked him what he looked like, and he said his skin was white, and you couldn't see his eyes, as they were just black holes. He had a moustache, like the one you drew on my face, he said. The kids often slept in my bed and would pile up in one room and close the door at night. I woke up one night to my daughter Madison standing by my bed, sobbing uncontrollably, holding everything that should have been on her bed. I asked her what was wrong, and she said she was trying to get all her covers into the bathroom, but they were just getting heavier and heavier and heavier. I told her it was just a nightmare, she needed to calm down, but she had been wide awake. This is just a handful of things that went on while we lived there. I did go see another intuitive while living in the house to see if she could shed some light on what was going on. She said that there was a portal in the condo that was opened by someone. I did find where this was located. It was in the corner of my room, where the man would always sit. He was the one I saw ducking behind the bed, or walking by the bathroom door. How freaking cool is this mom? Goes off and shouts at the spirit that told her son to do something bad. Then her daughter describes a ghost which she draws and then takes down to the library and like does some investigations. Then she's sitting around crocheting, everything cool, people walking around, ghost cat running around, calm as you like. This is a good mom. <laughs> Living her best life. She's just like, you do not fuck up my children. Yeah, found the portal, left it open. <laughs> do you believe that portals are a thing? Yeah, of course I do. Believe all this stuff, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> that was a really stupid question, wasn't it? Yeah. I don't like the ideas of hearing people talking when there's nobody there. Like having a conversation. Like talking to you is one thing. Yeah, like somebody coming in, calling your name or whispering yeah. in your ear is one thing. But or telling people... you to set the house on fire. That's probably what, what we're told the son to do. What <laughs> Set the house on fire. Murder your mum. <laughs> Murder your dad. Um, but hearing people having a conversation of their own is very strange. Yeah. But I think I'd be more okay with hearing people having a conversation on their own. Because it's almost like they're in their own little world. Yeah, maybe it's just like an imprint. Yeah, rather than it yeah. being somebody talking directly yeah, to me. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because if they're talking to me, they're fucking aware of me. Okay, maybe I'm actually better with that, to be fair. No, you said that. Yeah, I'd be You'd like, be down for the ghost cat though, wouldn't you? <gasps> Bim would hate it. Bim would hate a ghost cat. Oh my God, she'd be so stressed out. I'd love it though. Yeah, you would. <laughs> You'd be not feeding it. <laughs> it wouldn't bother me at all, having a ghost cat knocking around the house. I think it's quite cute that we have established that um, ghost animals absolutely do fucking exist. Yeah, absolutely. And they do come back and visit you after they've died. I like that. But it's a thing, isn't it? That, that little one in Edinburgh that haunts the graveyard, the little Scotty dog. Oh, is there? Yeah, it's like a, a big story. From oh, Edinburgh. I don't know it. No, I can't remember the name of it now because that's what happens when I try and think of something. Helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Someone what, will know. What I, 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 the idea of a portal makes me think like 
that somewhere in like some sort of limbo-esque type place, there's just loads of spirits going around bumping into each other in nothingness, just suspended in nothingness, strolling around. And then a portal opens and all of these spirits come through, like cats and fucking women in dresses and men with moustaches and no eyes and whatever. We know that's the thing, though, from um, Insidious. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say from Ghost Adventures. And I was like, oh, well, I don't know if Insidious is worse. (laughs) Insidious is worse. Oh, yeah, I did think for a moment we were going to have a Freddy instant here where it was a small white creature. I was like, baby Freddy? And then you were like, it was a cat. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, I heard (laughs) Scott. If it was a baby Freddy, I would be very upset. I think I probably would have to end the episode there. I can deal with one Freddy-esque, Rake-esque creature. Not fucking two. I, I just can't. Oh, it gives me... But Freddy's fine. I know that you all say Freddy's fine and you will be talking about Freddy being a guardian angel, but I'm just not okay with it. Do you want one more story? Second time in the episode you asked me about that just as I pick up the glass. Yes, let's go for but it. But don't pick up your glass then. But otherwise I'll be choking into the receptacle. <laughs> What's it called? Microphone. <laughs> Are you ready? Into the old grab a phone. <laughs> story number three is Michelle's story. My name is Michelle and I'm from the US. A few years ago, I worked at a residential treatment centre for kids with behavioural challenges. I chose to work the night shift because I was going to class during the day and looked forward to being able to complete assignments at night. The first few months, I worked with girls and boys aged 12 to 14 and I had no unusual experiences. When they decided to move the girls to another building, and housed the younger boys, 8 to 11, with the older boys, this all changed. I came to my shift expecting nothing, but about halfway through the shift, things got a little weird. I was walking from the laundry room and I suddenly felt a presence behind me. I've had other experiences, so I immediately recognised it for what it was. But I didn't want to seem like an absolute weirdo, so I said nothing. About 30 minutes later, I heard the loud chatter of a raccoon. My grandmother had one when I was a child, so I was very familiar with the sound. There were raccoons near the facility, so that actually wasn't terribly weird by itself. But the noise was loud, like theatre surround sound loud. I looked out the door and saw nothing, and the noise continued. Overcome with curiosity, I walked out of the building and followed the noise, as it seemed to be receding a bit. I walked across the parking lot and came to a trail. The noise was no longer as loud, but I could tell it was nearer to me. Suddenly, a raccoon appeared. It appeared to be looking for something, as its head was moving from side to side as it talked. I didn't move, and the raccoon began walking in my direction. The animal got to about arm's length, when it looked up and made eye contact with me. I remember thinking, well, shit, this raccoon is about to eat my face. To my surprise, he began to shudder while continuing to stare directly into my eyes. Then he blinked a few times before turning silently and walking back the direction he came. I didn't really know what to think of it, so I just went back to the unit. Nothing else happened that evening, but my co-workers said they heard nothing at all. Which was so weird, because that shit was so loud. A few nights later, I was listening to a co-worker talk about something, and when I looked up, I saw a tall shadow figure in the doorway to the common area. I didn't say anything, because I wanted to see if he saw it too. A few seconds later, my co-worker gasped and said, Oh my God, I just saw something walk away from the door. Yep, I agreed. I just saw him standing there. As the days went on, he would play games with staff and kids, turning on water, banging on things and walking around. 
I felt his presence almost every night. One night, after it seemed obvious he was sticking around, I asked him in my mind, what do you need? Do you need help? I'm a social worker, by the way. <laughs> almost immediately, I glanced down the hall and one of the boys was standing there leaning against the wall. I assumed nothing paranormal, as the kids often awake during the night. I asked him if he was okay and what he needed. He grinned widely and said in a laughing voice, I need your help. Still oblivious, I said, Okay, did you wet the bed? Do you need a drink? What do you need? He laughed again. At this point, I was close enough to almost touch him. I asked again, What do you need? He laughed again and said slowly, I need your help. And then he grinned again. I just sighed and rolled my eyes. Okay. I turned the kid around by his shoulders and walked him back into his room. When he got near his bed, he jerked and blinked and asked me what was going on. I told him that he was sleepwalking. Time went on and I felt his presence almost everywhere I went. He would make himself known, tapping on things or moving items. For the most part, I just joked about him or ignored him. One night, however, one of the kids told me he was scared to go to bed because he saw a figure in his doorway and sometimes he heard shuffling noises. He also said he'd had the water turn on in the shower when he would be brushing his teeth. I assured him it was just his imagination and that nothing would happen to him while he was in our care. After I left the room, however, I was pissed. I yelled at the ghost in my head, telling him to stop fucking with kids. They had enough problems, and I felt his presence all around me while I walked. It's hard to describe, but I felt him really listening to what I was saying. The next time I worked, the boy told me that he had not had any experiences since we talked. I just said good, and silently thanked the spirit. I always thought he was just playful, and to me, this confirmed that he was harmless. Just very funny, to himself. Shortly after, I transferred and my paranormal experiences at this facility ceased. Hmm. First of all, well done you for being a social worker. That shit's amazing. Well done. You. That is a bloody hard job working with children with behavioural issues. Absolutely. So well done you. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we always say about like kids with, you know, who've experienced extreme trauma and stuff. And people who experience extreme trauma can sometimes be like magnets mm. for things. And that would be like the perfect place for spirits to be. With all these kids who have experienced yeah. trauma, have behavioural issues probably a lot of unspoken issues that they don't quite know how to express emotionally. I'm a bit concerned about the raccoon. I was waiting to see what you had to say about the raccoon. Go on, why are you concerned? Well, because in this country, rabbits get a disease called myxomatosis and it makes them do weird things and then die, essentially. Yeah. And that raccoon was really weird. I was kind of expecting it to morph into a human or something. Like a little were-raccoon. Yeah. And then actually it just did some some kind of psychic trance with the person and then walked off. Maybe it had rabies. Yeah. Do raccoons get rabies? Yeah, but they get aggressive with rabies. They tend to. It's a different reaction, I would have said. Mm, raccoons are interesting creatures. And it seems just completely unrelated to the rest of the story as well, doesn't it? It's really weird. I, I know that's the point where everything started. Yeah. But it's just like a really weird encounter maybe with an animal. Maybe the place was haunted by the raccoon. Maybe it was actually the raccoon that was doing all the haunting. Or maybe it was a... Um, what they call skinwalker I can't I can't keep saying the word raccoon because it's starting to lose all meaning I've said it too many times <laughs> raccoon raccoon it's raccoon. not a word that I would ordinarily ever say <laughs> yeah 
It's just it was. Did just we weird. see a raccoon? Yes. That's going to sound so banal to American and Canadian listeners, but we don't have them in this country. And we saw a raccoon at the top of a tree in Canada. Yes, we did. Yeah. And I was very excited. And we saw a skunk. And we nearly ran up to it because we thought it was a rabbit and it was a skunk. Oh, I did. Yeah, I was terrible. I was like, look at all these creatures. (laughs) And then I, I went to play with this caterpillar and this one was like, don't touch that. It's highly poisonous. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Oops. Probably shouldn't then. Nope. Um, yeah, but it's just weird. Like all the ghostly stuff going on. She's quite, again, she's quite bullshit as well. Just dealing with the stuff that's going on. That little kid though. Oh, that little kid at night time being like, I need, I need your help. With a big old grin. Oh, that's definitely that fucking ghost raccoon living vicariously yeah. through that kid. Like 100%. And the only help they'd need is locating the bins. Raccoons, essentially, yeah. yeah. But if I was like a social worker in the middle of the night and this kid was fucking standing there going, I need your help. Laughing. I'd be like... Well, you're not fucking getting it. So you can sort out your own shit. I'm going to lock myself in the office now. Yeah, but she dealt with it the right way because she was just like, oh, get back in bed. Sort yourself out. Come on. Little did she know it was the ghost raccoon asking for help to find the bins. (laughs) Would you like some new reviews? Yeah, I think we better. We have a review from MonkeyBot214. MonkeyBot. (laughs) (laughs) Entitled, love it. You guys are my absolute favourite people to listen to. As an American, your accents are beautiful. I wish you all the best and keep the awesome content coming. Thank you, MonkeyButt214. And our next one comes from Megan B, who is a new listener. I've just started listening to the podcast and I love it. I've been binging it while getting my apartment in shape. It's creepy, funny, and just about everything I want out of a podcast. And finally, we have got a review from Colleen Gloss, which is entitled The Most Fun You Have While Being Terrified. I adore this show. The hosts have great chemistry, the research is well done, and the storytelling is very compelling. The hosts have a great rapport, and I especially love it when they audibly get creeped out. It makes me feel better about what a scaredy cat I am. This show is a lot of fun, and I highly suggest it. It's the best paranormal show that I've heard yet. And that's from the Black Case Diaries. I wonder if that that must be another podcast. Oh, it must be. But Colleen Gloss means green girl in Irish. Mm. Yeah, there you go, just FYI. Mm. So it must be a fellow Irish girl. Hello, hello. Um, I thought it was Colleen as in like Colleen no it's it's Colleen the yeah, Irish I get it. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Colleen Gloss which means green not girl not Jolene Jolene <laughs> um, I would like to say thank you for leaving reviews that is we really appreciate it we do really appreciate it um, and I want to give you the preemptive heads up that our next two episodes are going to be Christmas mini episodes because what did you call them this morning? You called them minisodes, yeah, like because, that. Because um, I think I stole that from my favorite murder. Okay. Because we are not going to be together over Christmas. Um, that sounds really tra- like oh, I know, traumatic. Really dramatic, didn't it? Yeah. We're breaking up. <laughs> that was the time to tell you. No, I'm going home to Ireland, and we are not going to be like in the vicinity together to in order to record. So we're doing two. We're pre-recording two episodes. We'll be releasing them over Christmas. But they are going to be slightly shorter than normal. Um, I would just like to say that I've noticed that quite a few of our little friends and followers have had birthdays this week. So if you're one of those people that's had a birthday, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Oh, it was also my birthday. Yes. Was that what you were hinting at? No, 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 I wasn't. I was thinking about, I was thinking about Joe Cayley and little Elsie who had, have had birthdays this oh. week. But I noticed that it's actually, there's quite a lot of people and I can't remember everybody. So I'm just, I was trying to make it a bit more general rather than going, happy birthday, Jake and Elsie. Oh, <laughs> I see. It, yeah, it was, also, <laughs> it was also my 13th birthday this week. 
So I'm old. Happy birthday to you. Thanks. And you'll always be younger than me. That is very true. And depressing. Um, <laughs> I, I want to add as well that I am wearing the most gorgeous hoodie I think I've ever bought. It is very this, nice. The, so this is, nobody's asked me to do this, but the boys at Super Superstitious Podcast um, were doing this merch thing and I bought some of their merch because it is a gorgeous like scientific figure of the skull of the door coup which is um an irish like cryptid and i bought the hoodie thinking oh yeah that'd be i'll buy that support the boys you know that that'd be really nice it's the fucking most comfortable hoodie i've ever bought <laughs> i've actually not taken it off i think since i've since i bought it yeah i can so, smell it shut <laughs> up. I'm joking by the way so i would recommend that uh, i'll leave the link to their website in the description for this episode if you want some amazing comfy cozy hoodies and merch go and buy some of theirs stunning very impressed if you enjoyed this week's episode and you want to contact us you can do so by contacting us on instagram i'm on instagram at real life ghost stories podcast dan is on instagram at 50p movie club we are on twitter at real ghost pod sorry i keep forgetting that's me that is you we are on facebook real life ghost stories podcast give our little page a like and join our super secret group which is rlgs super group the answer to the question is Emma and Dan and Tiny Beams. Um, if you want to send us in a story, you can do so by emailing Podcast at gmail.com. And finally, if you want to support our podcast, really want to make this our full-time venture, and I'm, I'm trying very hard to, but I don't know how to do it. So if you want to support our podcast, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories where you can pay either five dollars a month or two dollars a month to get some extra content absolutely and on that note i've said absolutely like 500 times this episode and i've said raccoon about 500 times and on that note absolutely raccoons bye planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.